A very warm welcome to everyone uh, here, and especially to Caroline, our guest speaker, who's going to come and talk to us later on. I'm just going to open in prayer, and then I'm going to do a couple of readings and hand over to Ben. Father God, we thank you so much that you've set us free. Lord Jesus, you paid the price for our redemption, for our healing, for all, the, all of our freedoms. And Holy Spirit, we invite you here today. We invite you to come in your manifest presence. This time is for you, for the kingdom of God, that the light might shine in the darkness and the kingdom of light might be extended. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Reading from Ephesians 2. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And from 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. Thanks, Alan. Can everyone hear that guitar? Sometimes it goes missing. Yes, it goes wrong. I can't tell that anything. Worship His holy name. 
the Father's love. You've sung it all the beginning for eternity. It's written on my heart. Heaven's perfect melody. The creator symphony. You are singing over me. The Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery, the King of Love has sent for me. Now you're sitting over me, the Father's Son. I have heard so many songs. Listen to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above it all. The Father's song, the Father's love, He sung it over me for eternity. It's written on my heart. Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony. You are singing over me, the Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery, the King of Love has sent for me. Now you are singing over me, the Father's song. I have heard so many songs. Listen to a thousand times, but there is one that sounds above The Father's song, the Father's love, you've sung it over me and for. It's anything, it's written on my heart. says in Zephaniah 3. It says in Zephaniah 3. The Lord God rejoices over us with singing. The Father's song, he's singing over us this morning. He's singing his songs of love, his songs of blessing. 
he's overjoyed that we've come to meet with him this morning. What a good God. Before the children go out, Robin's got something to share with us. If you know this already, I apologise. If you don't, you'll learn something new. (laughs) So, a few years ago, um, I realised that between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday isn't 40 days. It's actually 47 days. And that was a bit of a revelation to me because it's like I hear Christians say it's only 40 days. But it's actually 47. I've counted them. Okay? <laughs> Last week on Songs of Praise, a priest said it's 40 days. And I thought, no, he hasn't read his Bible or he hasn't checked his Bible. Yesterday, sorry I'm going to you, Levi. Yesterday we were talking about walking town and Levi said to me, you do realise, Dad, that there's seven Sundays between Ash Wednesday and um, Easter Sunday. And it was like, oh, I have to shake that. So I did, and there is seven days. And I realised that there is really 40 days between those two times, right? The way it works to me, and this is just me, I could be completely wrong, but you know God makes Sundays holy. You make 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday holy. So there you go. You've got 40 days and God's got the same days. Thank you. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And we're going to sing, May God's blessing over the children. And we speak a blessing over our new ones, over our little ones. We know, Lord Jesus, you have a heart for children. And we speak your blessing over them and over those who teach them. As they go out, may they have a special time this morning. Would you be with them, Lord, in a tangible way so that they know that they have met with you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'd like to invite Caroline to come forward. Um, Caroline's from Safe Families. She's been here before, but you might not know as well that uh, she has taken over the organisation of monthly church leaders' lunches. And the food's great. <laughs> but it's really, I'm really grateful that, that Caroline's done that because it's a really uh, important support network for, for me and I think Ian's going to go and for others who go to that because we can share what God's doing in the city of Carlisle and support each other through many different churches. I just pray for Caroline before she speaks. Father God, we want to thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to hear from you through Caroline. Would you anoint her lips as she brings your word and open our hearts to hear and to take in what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much, Alan. Uh, And thank you to the the elders for their support, and uh, for safe families, for prayer support, for joining us on the lunches and just being part of that there. um, just for giving me a space this morning in your service. It's quite daunting uh, when a church leader gives you a, a free topic uh, to speak on. Um, and that is quite daunting for me. Um, I don't do a lot of um, speaking and I do quite like a verse, but Alan didn't give me one, so I embraced it. Um, so if this doesn't feel like it's for you, then leave it here. Um, but I hope it is. Um, and I hope that just you can take just even one thing away uh, this morning. So I wanted to start by reading uh, John 17, 
verses 13 to 20. And they're on the screen there, so please read along with me there or in your Bibles. And this is where Jesus is praying for his disciples before he leaves this earth. And he says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but the, that you protect them from the evil one. For they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they may they too may be truly sanctified and you know Jesus is praying to his father for his disciples and that just got me thinking you know he loved them he loved them dearly dearly and they had a, a deep relationship so much so that he wanted to pray for them he wanted to leave them on the earth with the father with them and and it yeah it just really spoke to me how deeply uh, he cared for them now, I like to look at words that I find in the Bible, and I've read a couple of versions of this passage, and the word consecrate and the word sanctify are in there. So I thought I'd look up what they actually mean. Um, so to consecrate is to make um, or declare as sacred. Sanctify means to be set apart as or declare as holy or consecrate. So they're the, the dictionary meanings of the words. And um, I wanted to kind of have a, a, a title for this talk. And I went with a contrast people. And I'm reading a book at the moment by Rick Hill. And it's called The Root, uh, Deep Roots of Resilient Disciples. And in the book, it quotes from another book by Michael Goheen that I haven't read. But there's this brilliant little phrase that really stood out to me. And it says this. A contrast people who are supposed to bring God's blessing and renewal to their culture. A contrast people who are supposed to bring God's blessing and renewal to their culture. And he's talking about us being set apart in the world, here in Carlisle, in our workplaces, in our homes, on the street where we live. A contrast people who are supposed to bring God's blessing and renewal to their lives. I just love that little little phrase, contrast people. And it got me thinking again of what that actually means. What, what does this word contrast mean? So I, I, I looked it up like I like to do. And in the dictionary it says, it, uh, the state of being strikingly different from anything else in juxtaposition or close association. So, in this book, it gave a really, really good example. Now, I don't know if you've heard of this guy called Carl Power. If you're a sports fan, I can see Graham nodding. He's a sports fan. Um, I hadn't heard of this guy, but it was just a brilliant example to use. Now, Carl was a bit of a prankster in the early 2000s, um, and he managed to sneak his way onto a Premier League football field despite having never played a game of professional football in his life. 
And he, he blended quite well there, didn't he? He put the same kit on. He stood tall and proud. He did get found out. Uh, I think it was Roy Keane on the end uh, found him out and said, what are you doing? And then he, he let him have the photo, which was quite nice. And then he, he didn't just do it the one time. He, he kept doing it. And I think his mate was alongside him. Um, he got on the podium at the uh, racing. Um, he was on Wimbledon Centre Court. And also he, he went out to bat for England. I'm not sure if he did get to bat, but he, he tried. He tried his best. And, you know, this is the opposite of contrast, isn't it? <coughs> Karl Power was the opposite of contrast. He was, he was trying to blend in and he wasn't, he wasn't doing it to harm anyone. He was, it was just, he was just a bit of a prankster. He was just doing it for a laugh. And he probably filled his life with quite a lot of joy, really, and, and lots of other people who found it funny. But it got me thinking, it, it, we, God doesn't want us to blend in like Carl. He wants us to stand out from those around us. And we can see in the passage that that's what it says. He wants us, he wants his disciples, and we are Jesus' disciples. We are his apprentices, aren't we? We're apprenticing under him. And he wants us to stand out. He wants us to be set apart and distinct. We're meant to be in the world, but not blending in like it. Present, but distinct. So we'll just look at a few ways that Jesus modelled being distinct and being this contrast in the culture that he lived in. I always like to look at what Jesus did and try and emulate it. So uh, John, uh, Luke 10, 30 to 37, the well-known story of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus tells her the story of the man. He was a Jew and he was beaten, he was left to dead, and those high-standing people in society overlooked him and they walked on by. Yet his enemy stopped, he helped him, he took him in without wanting anything in return. That was pretty countercultural, wasn't it? To love your enemy at the time. And, and this is the message Jesus was giving. In Luke 18, verse 15 to 17, we see where the disciples are saying to the children, they're, they're pushing them away from Jesus. Don't, don't bother Jesus, he, he's not interested. And Jesus rebukes them, he tells them off and says, hey, let the little children come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I love the prayer that you sing when the kids go out. It, it's just absolutely beautiful. And that's just what Jesus wants us to be like and wanted the disciples to be like. Luke 18, verse 22, um, the, there's the story of the young, wealthy man. Um, and Jesus tells him to go and sell everything um, and follow him. And in culture, in society then, um, like now really, isn't it, that wealth um, is, is a good thing, but in society then, wealth was a sign of God's blessing on your life. Um, but, but Jesus was, was counteracting that and saying, uh, sell everything, you don't need anything, you just need me. And then in Luke 18, verse 35 to 43, um, there's a blind man, and he's trying to get to Jesus. And people are saying, no, 
No, he's not for you. You're not worthy to know this great man. And Jesus stops and he turns to him and he heals him. All of those examples of Jesus standing out from the culture that he was part of. And there are, you know, there's many other examples that I'm sure that you could tell me um, that Jesus showed this model of being countercultural, being a contrast people where he lived. And ultimately, you know, he, he rubbed people up the wrong way with it, didn't he? Um, but, you know, we, we know that Jesus has prayed for his disciples and he wants them to be a contrast, a distinct from the world. So I just started thinking about how can we equip ourselves to be a contrast people? And there's loads of ways, isn't there? Um, and most importantly, we need to seek the presence of God, don't we? And we need to walk closely with the Father um, so, that, so that we can rub off on people when, when we're out there in our day-to-day -day lives. And just a little caveat, really, is none of the things that I'm going to say, um, they're, not, they're not saved us. That's God's grace, as we've already heard this morning from Alan, um, and his grace alone. And we, we don't need to do any of these things to receive his love, to accept his grace. Um, they're just tools to help us along the way, to equip us to walk closely with Jesus. So a great place to start to equip us is in community. Here this morning, um, meeting together as the gathered church to worship, to pray, to build each other up. And the word translated from the Greek uh, of church is ecclesia, and you probably already know that. Um, but after a bit of research, that, the best translation for that word is assembly or gathering. And I think often the church is viewed as the building that we're in, aren't we? But we know it's the people, and I, I, I like that, that word gathering, the gathering of the people. And I don't know if you've heard of LICC, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity bit of a tongue twister, and um, they use these two images to help us think about the gathered and the scattered church. So in the picture on the left, you've got the red dots. Can you see the little grey dots? They're a bit faint on there. Can you see there's red dots and grey dots? Yeah, just point those out before I go any further. So the red dots are the church gathered like we are today, to, to love each other, to, to care for each other, to to hear God's word, to worship him um, together, to build each other up. And the grey dots are the people who don't know Jesus yet. Okay, So they're, they're not, not gathered with us. And then the picture on the right is us as we go out. There's a, there's a bit of a gap in the middle. Can you see the two distinct ones? Um, as we go out from here into our daily lives. So the red dots are the Christians believers in Jesus who are going out, mixing amongst the, the non-believers and rubbing off on them and doing the things that, that hopefully is going to share the hope and the love of Jesus with those around us. Shining like stars in the darkness. Um, Matthew 5, 14 to 16 came to mind. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And Alan already mentioned about light this morning and lights in the darkness, and that was encouraging. So, um, the I, I don't know if you've heard of something called a pattern for life or rhythms for your life um, or uh, spiritual formation is probably something or maybe spiritual disciplines is something that you've heard of. Now, the word disciplines conjures up all kinds of negative feelings within me. Um, so I have been exploring this, this term pattern for life. Um, and it's something that we um, explored at Hebron during COVID and looking at different practices that can help equip us to go out and be those scattered dots um, among our unbelieving friends, our people who don't, friends who don't know Jesus yet. So on a side note, I don't have all of these things figured out. <coughs> I don't do them all, all of the time. Life's really hard sometimes, isn't it? And we can only just cling on to God with what feels like our little finger. And sometimes these, these things are what has helped us in those difficult times because we, all we can do is pray someone else's prayer um, or say amen to someone else's prayer. And, that, and that's enough. So I haven't got it all figured out. I just want to tell you that now. Um, so the first one is rest. And... Um, I can't, he's gone, hasn't he? You mentioned the Sundays in, in uh, Lent and the, the practice of Sabbath. Now, I don't know if anyone here um, practices a Sabbath, like a 24-hour period of rest from your normal work. And it might be that you've grown up in a family where Sabbath was practiced. It was quite legalistic and maybe you're a child and you weren't allowed to go to the park or you weren't allowed to watch TV. Um, things like that. But um, in more recent years, I've, uh, I don't have any experience of Sabbath. We didn't do that when I was growing up. Um, but in more recent years, I've heard the, the Sabbath practice described as a day of delight. Oh, a day of delight. So a day of rest, but that rest can look like different for all of us, can't it? So um, you might rest well by taking a nap sitting on the sofa and reading a book. Um, it might be that you want to go for a walk in the hills, you might want to cook a lovely meal and have that with friends. Um, whatever rest looks like for you from your daily life, it's good to have some kind of practice. And from what I've learned, it's good to start small. So to think we're going to do a 24-hour period straight away is probably quite a challenge, but it is for me as well, because I certainly haven't got Sabbath figured out in my of life and with my family yet but some kind of rest doing something that delights your soul once a week can really fill you up and equip you to go out there and keep being Jesus to those around you and including God in it so um, at the top of the hill worship God for a few minutes and praise him for his creation whatever it looks like for you it's a good practice and um, I've got I've read quite a lot of things on Sabbath so if you want to chat more about it, come and, come and have a chat and I can recommend a few resources. Uh, second one is retreat or silence and solitude. Getting away from the noise of life to be with God. And we're all busy, aren't we? We carry the internet in our pocket. We're contactable 24-7. Um, and, and we need to carve out time for just some, some solitude and silence. And that's not easy, is it? 
Uh, start small, start with two minutes, do five minutes, ten minutes. See how you get on. It's good just to, just to get those moments of silence, just with the Father, just to reconnect with him. Um, I quite like to go up to Colbeck. I don't know if you've been up to Colbeck Quarry. Um, if you park just where the quarry is, and there's just beautiful views all around. And that is one of my silent and solitude places um, where nobody is going to find me. <laughs> the, the third one is prayer. So getting some rhythms of prayer in our day. And like I said at the beginning, it's not always easy, is it, to do any of these things. And it's not always easy to pray, um, especially when we're going through something really, really tough, that's challenging, that's, that's hurt something, that's hurtful, some sadness that we're going through, grief maybe. It's not easy to praise it. And um, I, I was reminded recently of <laughs> Philippians 4, verses 5 to 7, where it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. <coughs> now, I've been guilty of looking at verses uh, 6 and 7 in isolation, where it says, do not be anxious about anything. And you can be a bit like, oh, man, that's just easier said than done, isn't it? Like, life is full of worries. And just to read those in isolation... It's kind of like, well, God, where are you in that? Because it's not just as easy as do not be anxious. But then I, I, I was reminded of verse 5, where it says, The Lord is near. So he's near to us, isn't he? He's near to us in those painful times. And even if we're just holding on with our little finger, he's still there for us. And coming to him in, in silence, in prayer, uh, can really, really strengthen us. And I, I took some confidence of this from Luke 22, where Jesus goes into uh, to pray before he goes to the cross. And he's, he's in absolute anguish and he's pleading with the Father, isn't he? Take this cup from me, um, you know, if at all possible. And he, he's in absolute anguish. And it says in verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And it just reminds the Lord is near. Isn't he? he was near to Jesus and he can be near to us. So those times of quiet, focused prayer is there. So they can be up on Colbeck Quarry. They can be at the traffic lights. They can be um, when you're waiting in a queue. Um, they can anytime, anytime. He's there. We don't have to come to a special place. Um, it's good to have like a chair in your house where you go to pray. Now, I don't know if you've heard the story of Charles Wesley's wife. Um, I can't remember how many children. Does anyone know how many children? They have quite a lot of children, don't they? And um, I read that she used to put a pinny over her head. Someone's not a pinny or an apron over her head. And the kids knew that that was her, like, prayer time. And I think she did that for quite a long time. I'm not sure what the kids were doing all that time. I mean, I, my kids are a bit grown up now, and I didn't even wear a pinny. But when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, that would have been good. They would have known, you know. Um, yeah, I liked it. Um, and then one thing I used to do for rhythms of prayer, when I was a teacher, um, I used to find it really hard to keep God like in focus in my day um, because it was busy and it, it was quite hard work. 
So um, I, I heard somewhere, someone shared a story, that they bought these tiny little <laughs> stickers, you know, like little dots that you can get. Mm. And they put them around and about the workplace. So I, I, I did it and I put them like on the mirror in the loo that I went to. I put them by the photocopier. I put one on my mouse, put one on my screen at my desk. Just, just as like reminders to pray. We need these rhythms, don't we? To keep God really with us all the time. So hopefully they're a couple of helpful things for you. So reading and listening to God's word, uh, devotionals, there's loads of things, Bible apps, Bible in a year, Lectio 365 app if you've not used that, loads of Christian books. Um, all of these can help us understand and go deeper with God and, and uh, work, walk with him closely. Fasting is also one. I think I find fasting really challenging um, and it's something, a, a good thing that we can do to just draw close to, to the Father um, and focus on a, a specific thing that we're praying for. So they're just some things we can use to walk better with him. We don't have to do them because he's there for us anyway. He loves us, he cares for us, but it, it can help us. Those, some of those things can help us uh, in our walk. Now, there's a quote from uh, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, he was a, another sports uh, example here, <laughs> Liverpool United manager, and he said this in an interview. Um, we have only one life and we should try to make the best of it. That's what I try to do. To make the room a better place. It's normal for me. I don't think it's so special because I'm a Christian and I believe in God. I love that. So inspiring, isn't it? To make the room a better place. And that is my hope um, in, in what I do and wherever I go. Um, I want to make the room a better place. And I think that's what Jesus was saying in his prayer to the Father. Help them be in the world, but not of it. Help them stand out to contrast and to, to share the hope uh, that we find. The gospel means good news after all, doesn't it? We are good news people. I want to be a good news person. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Hannah Heather. She goes to Emmaus Road Church uh, down south where uh, Pete Gregg is uh, on the leadership there. She said this, we are supernatural people. We carry the supernatural presence of God with us. I love that too. So it's not always easy, is it, to be this contrast? Jesus acknowledges it in John 17 where he says that the world's hated them. I've given them a word, but the world's hated them. And... Um, he asks for protection for his disciples. He wants the Father to protect them. Uh, one of our trustees, Patrick Sharman, in a recent talk at his church, said this, it's not possible to be faithful and popular simultaneously. So sometimes we find ourselves in that position, don't we, where we're trying to be faithful for God, to God, but we're coming up against opposition. And it's tough and it's hard work and we have to come back to the Father to, to, to help him equip us and to fill us. And, you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes, isn't it? So back to that book I mentioned at the beginning, The Deep Roots of Resilient Disciples. It says this, We are to be a people who contrast the dominant narrative of the world around us and instead allow ourselves to be characterised by things such as justice, generosity, selfless giving, humility, hope, joy, thanksgiving and as people who seek the presence of God. It might be that the people of God are generous in the midst of a consumer-driven world. 
or that we fight for issues of justice when others look away. It should be that we take stands against moral issues of our time, bring a joyful presence to our office environments or whatever your workplace or your whatever your front line is where you meet people who are not Christians and speak up for the oppressed in conversations and via social media. It will mean feeding the hungry in our communities and prevent befriending the lonely on our streets. And sometimes it can be simple things, can't it? I don't know if you remember the uh, 40 Acts of Kindness from the Stewardship Charity. It was a Lent thing where uh, you did random acts of kindness, 40 random acts of kindness uh, in Lent. Um, and it was simple things like giving someone a surprise treat that they didn't know who it was from, you know, put it on the desk or put it on the doorstep. Um, things like letting people out in the, in the traffic, letting them in. Just really simple things. That, they're really simple things, aren't they, that we can be contrast in, in our culture. Now, thinking back to uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, the unidentified sing single traveller, he was on his own, wasn't he? He was beaten, left for dead, ignored, and nobody, nobody looked at him. They didn't want to, to help him, didn't they? He was unseen by those passing by, apart from his enemy, the Samaritan man. And he saw his need, he, he heard his cries, and he took action to help him. He was contrast in his culture, wasn't he? And in Genesis 1, we read that God thought all he had made was good. But in Genesis 2, a bit further on, verse 18, it says, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. So God created us for connection, didn't he? These connections, the connections that he had with his disciples. To live in community and love and to be with each other and care for each other in life's ups and downs. Now, did you know that loneliness takes more toll on a person's physical and mental health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day? Yeah. It's huge, that, isn't it? It's a really shocking statistic. Um, and it's, it, that gets me every time. Yeah. It's, it's huge. I, wanted, I want you to keep in mind what I've said about being a contrast people and, and how Jesus calls us to live when I share a little bit about safe families. So I want to just take you on a little journey. So if you just come with me for a minute and imagine yourself that you are this parent in this situation. So you've woken up this morning and you're not really sure how you're going to face today. You're in a new city because you've had to uh, flee an abusive relationship. So you've had to leave everyone that you know behind and you've come to a new city. You don't know anyone. You're feeling lonely and isolated. You've got two small children under five to add to it. And you've now got a house. It's a safe place to be, but it's not a home. And you're not really sure how you're going to face the day, let alone the next few months ahead. You're vulnerable and you think people are looking down on you and you're feeling a bit judged. You're not sure where to go. Now, what if someone came alongside you and maybe once a week or once a fortnight sat down and had a coffee or went for a walk? We're listening here 
to help you through some of the things that you're going through. To just be someone there to walk alongside you. To be like the Good Samaritan, to sit with you, to take you in, to take you under your wing, just for some support. How do you think it would feel if someone came to help you make your house a home? So maybe helped you with some decorating, or helped you get the garden straight so there was an extra space for the children to play, now the weather's getting nicer. What if someone else, you could build a really trusting relationship with them, so that they could take your children out for you to the park for a couple of hours, or even look after them overnight so that you could have a break. How would that feel? How would just one of those things feel to you right now, but what impact would they have in years to come? And what if the church, like you guys, could come alongside your family and with the help of safe families and the local authority in a really safe place, to support you and help you move forward and live a fulfilled life. And even better, an opportunity to share this hope in this Jesus that we have been talking about today. How do you think it would feel for you to be part of a community, to belong and to be loved and to feel hope? Now, I don't, some of you were here last time I came um, and we launched Safe Families in Carlisle in April and our figures are, are low, we've only got small numbers at the minute, but we've only been going a short time. But this is what it looks like here in Carlisle. So 11 families have been supported, that's 23 children benefiting from support from our wonderful volunteers. 25 bed nights have been hosted, which means children have slept at host homes for 25 nights. Uh, that might have been in ones and twos. We've got nine churches where we've got volunteers, and we've got two in training here, which is lovely, lovely to have you. And then we've got 16 churches who are regularly engaging with us and joining us in prayer, of which you guys are one, so thank you very much. And we've got 35 volunteers. So it's 33. So our numbers are small, but that's okay because we're, we're brand new. But these are families, real life families that have been impacted by people like you, normal everyday people like you and me, who have come alongside them and helped them in their time of need. Now, I really want to share some local stories, but I can't because they're all, the supports are ongoing. But what I can tell you is Kids have been out on the bikes, they've been out of Carlisle when they haven't been before. Um, children have been hosted overnight and uh, been given a, a warm, safe, loving environment to be part of uh, extended family. Um, you know, mums have been uh, supported over coffee, over walks, um, and just getting out to improve mental health. Um, parents have been connected into other services, so. Um, for courses to improve their things that are going on in their lives to help the mental health to for training and getting them back into work and things and you know we've not been able to do this without our amazing volunteers and without our amazing prayer partners so if you've prayed for us thank you so so much so you might be thinking you know i want to be one of these contrast people and you can do that in your everyday life as we've talked about today and one of the ways that you can do it is by 
coming to join us at Safe Families and the three ways that you can get involved. And the first is that um, you can volunteer with us and we have three volunteer roles. The first is our resource friends. So our resource friends help with things like decorating or gardening or they help with practical items and furniture or um, clothes or boogies that you might have lying around that our families or our volunteers need when they're supporting. Um, lovely little story of a resource request that we got in for a family that we were supporting and they, the little boy's bed was broken and we put a resource request and that goes out into an e in an email to all our resource friends and um, we, we got the request in and we had, we had a few people reply and say, well, I can pay for a new bed if no one's got one. Um, I've got a bed that you can have. And then what I hadn't realised was that at Hebron, where I go, one of the church members had offered one of the leaders a single bed and it was brand new, this single bed. And I mean, there's space at Hebron, so we can store things, but... You don't normally say, oh yeah, I'll take that off your hands and we'll store it at Hebron for however long we need to, you know, until we find someone who needs a bed. And this was the week before we got this request in, so God already provided the bed and we got this brand new bed to the boy. You know, it was just God's provision and yeah, just wonderful to see and wonderful for the person who donated the bed and so encouraging for them to, to feel that they were part of it as well. So the second uh, volunteer role are family friends, and those are people who walk alongside our families and do things like have a coffee once a fortnight maybe, um, go for a walk with a parent, maybe help with paperwork or looking at uh, finances and helping them get a little bit organised. It might be things like decluttering in a home. I'm also a volunteer with Safe Families, and I, um, in, back in 2019, just over in West Cumbria, I supported a lady with some um, mental health and some physical health needs and she, the house had got a bit on top of her and I went every fortnight and we did a bit of decluttering. It was right on my street because I loved it and I maybe told that story last time but um, it's just a really simple one uh, that really helped her to boost her, how she was feeling about her home and just she, she felt better about herself and then started to do it herself. And the final um, volunteer role are host homes, and those are people who might have a spare room, who can host children overnight for a couple of nights or uh, up to two weeks, but nothing longer than that. And generally, it's just one or two nights. And that can be done on an emergency basis or planned uh, hosting. The second way that you can get involved is that you can uh, partner with us uh, financially. And we uh, have lots of people doing different fundraising events this year. If you, if you like to run or walk or swim, we've got a few, uh, you know, the big events like the Great North Run, we have some of those like places that we can pass on to you. So you can have a look on our website for those. You could do fundraising of your own. Um, I went to a church a couple of weeks ago and they were doing a pancake lunch and the proceeds were, were going to save families. That was great, I had a great time chatting to people eating pancakes, what could be better? <laughs> and then we also uh, have like monthly giving that people can sign up to. And for as little as eight pounds a month, you can support one family this year. And that's the price of a couple of coffees. Coffee's gone up, hasn't it, you know? <laughs> so a couple of coffees a month. So if, if you think, oh, I love this, I can't volunteer, 
but I can give or I can pray. Uh, that is the final one, is that you can pray for us. You can sign up to be a prayer partner and receive our monthly and termly local updates as well. So if you want to know more, if you've heard something today and you think, do you know what, I'd like to know more about Safe Families. I've got an interest event coming up and it's just on Zoom, so you can sit in the comfort of your own home, you don't have to go anywhere. And you can join me just to hear a little bit more. If you feel that little tug on your heart or, you know, the spirit's just leading you there, just please do come along um, or I'll be at the back today. Come and chat to me and we can discuss it further. If you haven't got time to talk today or I'm talking to someone else and you'd like to talk to me, if you fill in one of these little cards, I'll give you a call and we can have a chat on the phone or, or go for a coffee. So I want to leave you now just with a story and this is Laurie and Pat's story and this gives you an idea of what support can look like and it, it just gives you an idea of that of um, what it looks like to be a little bit of a contrast people because um, I think that's a really good example of how this volunteer was with the family. <laughs> My name is Laurie Moraghan. I've struggled with mental health all my life. I didn't have a very good upbringing. I was in and out of care, basically since the day I was born. I, I probably almost lost my youngest girl because I really couldn't cope with her. And then I got placed with Pat. And see, when I met Pat, like when she first came to meet me, she was just, she wasn't what I was expecting at all. So one of the main things I struggled with was my garden. I've got quite a big garden, I'm really lucky. And so Pat's helped me massively with that and she helps me keep on top of it. I'd tidy the garden, mow the grass, while Lauren was clearing up the house uh, because we've three girls, you have a tea house. And so we'd end up, uh, me having done the garden, her having done the house, and then we'd have a cup of coffee. I think we get on really well, we have a laugh together. We do things together and the girls absolutely love it. Like they're out in the garden or whether they're being snow, whatever, like digging up mud and it's just aye, so that is a massive thing for me that she's helped me. There's some days I'm really, really, really down and Pat will still come to the door. Like there was a day a couple of weeks ago and I could I was just sobbing in the couch and I couldn't get off the couch. And Pat was like, right, let's get up and she took me at a walk. And by the time we came back for the walk, like I came out here and I felt a lot better. It's given me more fun in my life because I never know what I'm going to find when I come here. Uh, I never know how anybody's going to be. Uh, and Laurie's got a lovely sense of humour and she teases me. <laughs> uh, and that's really quite nice to have somebody who's so much younger than me teasing me. I'm obviously a bit you. I'm younger. Pat's obviously older. She's very. She's just a complete opposite me, but we work really, really well. Like I never thought in my life that I would ever like meet someone like Pat. I've never actually met someone like Pat in my whole life. <coughs> Thanks so much, Caroline. Do you remember those old TVs that used to have knobs on? Yeah. One of them was called Contrast, wasn't it? <coughs> when you turned it down, it all went mushy. You couldn't see much. When you turn up the contrast. Things become a lot clearer. And fantastic work, thank you. Father, we want to thank you so much for what we've heard about safe families. 
We pray for their ministry. We pray for their support. We pray for all those who are volunteering, all those who are being supported. That you'll be there. That those volunteers will be your hands and feet and mouth. And bless our community. In your Lord. Amen. Amen. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him. His name is the Lord, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families, the desolate in a homeland. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Amen. That is our God. That is our God. Have a wonderful week. See you next week.